you would please open your Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, our focus will begin in verse 19, but we're going to start with verse 16. James 1, beginning in verse 16, this is God's word. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of all he created. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself, and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Don't be deceived, we read in verse 16. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Okay? God doesn't change. God does not change. You need to know that about God. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God does not change. God's standards do not change. If God says something is wrong, it's wrong. There are people behaving as fools out there saying that the church needs to get up to date because society has changed. Well, of course society has changed. You pick up speed on your way downhill. Society has changed. But God doesn't change. And God's law doesn't change. And what was wrong is wrong. And what is right is right. But please note something else. Every good and perfect gift comes from Him. The father of lies will try to persuade you that 
if you trust God and do what he says, you're going to miss out on the good stuff. He's a liar. He's a total con man. Imagine if I tried to sell you Skip Radmore's truck. It's a beautiful truck. Really nice. So if I stand out there and say, you like this truck? Pretty cool, isn't it? It's great. I'll sell it to you for just 10 grand. Well, you got to be kidding. No, I've decided I want to get something different. Really? What's the problem with this scenario? Seems like I'm offering you a tremendous deal, but the problem is if you drive off in that thing, you're in a stolen vehicle. Well, no, I didn't steal it. I paid that guy 10 grand. Well, it wasn't his to sell. Let me tell you something about the devil. He's a liar. And he will take the beautiful things of this life that God created and provided, and he'll tell you, I can make you a deal on that. I can tell you how that really ought to be used. Okay? One of the key ones that he's doing that with in our culture, and he does it in every generation, but our culture seems to be especially stupid, is when it comes to sex. The devil acts like he invented it. He didn't invent sex. God designed sex to be an expression of love between a man and a woman who are married to each other. It's an Apple Watch. Okay? Right? It's, it's, it's expensive. Nice, works. My doctor wanted me to have one to see if I had AFib. So far, so good. Thank you, Lord. But um, what's AFib? Is that a lie detector? No, atrial fibrillation, which is irregular heartbeat that increases your chance of stroke and so forth. And apparently I don't have it. Thank you, Lord. But I've been thinking I could use this for some other stuff. I mean, you know, it tells time and it counts my steps and monitors my heartbeat, but every now and then, um, I need to hang a picture or something for Mrs. Wood. And I was thinking, instead of having to go get a hammer, I've got something hard and solid on my wrist. I could just take my watch and put it inside the palm of my hand and use that to pound nails. What do you think? Smart idea or dumb idea? What? Dumb, thank you. Please don't be dumb. Now here's the problem. The devil says, you know what you can do with sex? (laughs) It can be all about self-gratification. And if you try and follow God's rules, you're not going to have nearly as much fun. Now I could talk with you about sexually transmitted diseases. I could talk with you about the fact that studies show that monogamous married couples are much happier with their sex life than singles and other people who engage in sexual immorality. Not that all singles do. But in other words, it turns out if you follow God's rules, you actually have more fun. Astounding! Now, why would I tell you this? Because this says 
every good and perfect gift. Don't be deceived. Every good and perfect gift is from above. It comes from God. And God knows what's best. So obey Him. If you're driving down the interstate and you decide to go off-roading, but instead of waiting until you get an exit, you just veer off the interstate. How's that going to work out? You may get hurt. Your vehicle will likely get hurt. And it's very possible that you will get arrested. Because a lot of times landowners who are abutting the interstate would not want you driving on their property and running over their fence and so forth. You understand? When I was a kid, my mom gave me two illustrations I found helpful regarding this. Number one, if a train decides it wants to break away from the boredom of running on the track all the time, I'm always right here. I want to see the countryside. And so the train decides it's leaving the track, jumping the track, going out for an adventure. Is that an adventure or is that a train wreck? Yeah, it's a train wreck. If you are flying a kite and it is tugging against the string. Anybody here ever flown a kite? Okay, a number of you have. Those of you who haven't, you need the experience. Okay, the kite pulls on the string. That's, that's what it's supposed to do. If you're standing there holding the string and the kite isn't tugging, you need to tug, okay? Because otherwise that kite's coming down. But if you decided, I want to have mercy, my kite feels constrained by this string. I'm going to cut the string and let my kite go free. What would happen to the kite? What happens to the kite? What happens if you just let go of the string? What happens? It crashes every time. It might go like this and then it goes like that. The kite can't fly without restraint. Its freedom to fly is tied to you holding it back. God's law is not designed to keep us from flying. It is designed to keep us from crashing. You understand? I was a preschooler, but I wasn't dumb. And those two illustrations I found enormously helpful, and I hope that you're mature enough to understand and appreciate them. God's not trying to mess up your life. Every good thing in this life comes from God. Chocolate was invented by God. Say, no, 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 people took the cocoa bean and they were like, I know that, but who made people? Oh, okay, I got it. Chocolate is a derivative of God's creativity. He designed things so that we could come up with that. And when we did, he said, good. Good job. 
all the beautiful art and landscape and music and everything, everything that is good is from him. It's all good. It's all from him. There's so much to delight in. God could have made it so that we didn't have taste buds. Some of you remember COVID. You lost your, ten, your sense of smell and taste and it was... Well, I'm still going to eat something, but... How long does this last? God made it so that we can taste a whole array of flavors. God made it so that when we communicate with each other, we don't sound like the train at the airport. Good morning. Please open your Bible to James chapter 1. I am glad you are here today. God could have made it so we were all just totally monotone. God could have made it so that we were monochromatic. Okay? Everything's either black or white. There are some people trying to do that today. But let me tell you something. God made this enormous variety. And it's beautiful. And it's wonderful. God could have made it so that we all had identical fingerprints and irises. But instead he made everybody's different. Just like he makes snowflakes different. He loves that. Please understand, everything good and beautiful and wonderful and delicious is from him. You understand that? I couldn't just skip over that. I had to go back and pick it up. Now, I've used up a bunch of my time, but that's okay. Because there's always the future until Jesus comes. So, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might become a kind of first fruits of all he created. So, don't merely listen to the word, verse 22, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Now, starting in verse 19. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. He doesn't say some of you should be quick to listen. He says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. I'll just ask you to do self-diagnosis here. Please don't tell me about somebody else who bugs you. Are you more inclined to listen? Now, this doesn't mean just to be silent. Are you more inclined to listen or to want to express your views? The book of Proverbs says the one who answers before the other person has finished speaking is something negative. Now, why does it say that? Because a lot of us have it wired in that when somebody starts to talk, we, we know where they're going or we think it doesn't matter, and we're just going to jump in with what we wanted to say. And that's not okay. 
God says, don't do that. But it seems like they're never going to finish. Okay? Well, then this is an opportunity for you to cultivate patience. I hate patience. Please give me patience. Oh, don't say that. (laughs) The only way to learn patience is to have to endure things that you do not enjoy and wait on things that you do enjoy. I don't want to have to do that. Well, you're going to have to. So, everyone, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. I can't help it, man. I just, you know, I grew up in a family where it's just like, you know, we, we got a hair trigger anger thing, you know, and just quick tempered, I believe is the word for it. <laughs> it's genetic. Well, repent. You know, you know what I inherited from, from my family? A sin problem. I have this just magnetic draw towards sin. Okay, I don't know, you may not have that unless you are related to me, um, like all of you are. See, we all go back to Adam and Eve. In fact, we all go back to Noah. And in fact, all of us inherited a sin nature, so the fact that we are inclined towards certain things doesn't give us any excuse whatsoever. It just means that's our particular struggle. And I may struggle with this sin, and you may struggle with this sin, and we both thank God we don't struggle with that sin. But, you know, all of us have got a sin problem. And so all of us have got to repent of whatever our sin problem is. And one of the things that a lot of people have is a tendency to become angry. I mean, just all kinds of stuff can set us off. And once again, there are people in our culture who are cultivating this bent toward getting angry over all kinds of stuff. They even have a term for microaggressions. The little ways in which people do things that are really wounding. And folks now are getting triggered Will Smith slapped Chris Rock at the Oscars. <gasps> oh. Well, you're not saying he should have done that. I'm saying the people in that room make movies that celebrate violence and gore and all kinds of immorality, and then they have the monumental gall to claim that they were triggered. <laughs> because even though I was back in backstage and I didn't see it happen when I heard about it. It just really triggered me. Oh, please. Well, there are some people who've been through trauma. Yes, there are. But please understand, this world is filled with sin and you don't want to add to it by becoming so focused on yourself that everybody everywhere is constantly offending you. Understand? What if I really was hurt by that? 
Well, then please get help. And I don't say that to mock. I say it because if you are traumatized by hearing about what somebody else did at the Oscars ceremony, you don't know these people. During that ceremony, there were children being shot to death in cities around our country, including, no doubt, L.A. But somehow, the news was that one man slapped another man. Something's very wrong in our culture. Something's very wrong in our world. Jesus referred to the religious people of his day as straining at a gnat and swallowing a camel. That's what's going on. So, man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires, so be slow to become angry. Just blow it off. If somebody offends you, Decide they must be having a bad day and move on. Therefore, rid, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. You understand this. God gave us birth through his word. And we need to be focused on his word, believing it and obeying it not on all the moral filth that is out there in this society. Certainly don't be filling your minds with that junk. What do you listen to? What do you read? What do you watch? If you're filling your head with garbage, guess what you're going to be full of? If I just sat around eating Krispy Kremes all day, I wouldn't be in good health, and walking wouldn't do me any good. And I'd get to where I couldn't. Are you saying Krispy Kremes are a sin? No, I'm saying I love Krispy Kreme donuts. And the last time I had one was probably two years ago, maybe three. Because God convicted you to give them up? No, because I discovered that they don't do anything good for me. How old were you when you discovered this? Probably in my teens. Then what did you do having one three years ago? Because every now and then, every few years or once a decade, it's really delightful to take something that is, it's the only good in that is that it's delicious. But when I gave it to my kids from Ukraine after they first got to this country, I was so excited to introduce them to Krispy Kreme. And they each took a bite of the one I gave them, okay? And I'm looking at their faces, and they immediately looked at their older brother. And he looked at them, and he looked at me, and he said, Papa, too sweet. I thought, how is this possible? Too and sweet are words that don't go together. because they had not yet developed the American addiction to too much sugar. And once you get weaned off of it, you don't crave it so much, just so you know. 
So, get rid of all the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Where? Out there. We're going to clean up all the moral filth. No, in here. He's talking about what's in us. Look at your own life. Anything that is moral filth. You got anything that's moral filth? I'm not asking for a show of hands. If you got anything that's moral filth, get rid of it. Get rid of it. And the evil that is so prevalent, it's all around. And humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Well, what does that look like? You obey it. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now, why would he make that comparison? I mean, I'm picturing Fonzie from Happy Days. Only old people remember that show. But, you know, Fonzie would go and he'd... he'd, uh, Let me see, I've got a comb. He'd get his comb and he'd go to the mirror and he'd look at himself and he'd go... No need for improvement, okay? That was the idea. That was kind of a trademark running joke in the show. Fonzie sees himself in the mirror and he thinks, I'm perfect. Who can resist this? Well, let me tell you something. If you really start to take the word of God seriously, you will realize there's some stuff you need to work on. When you look into the mirror, you will see... Oh my word, I have spinach between my teeth. I need to go brush my teeth and floss. Okay? You will look at yourself and you will say, Oh my word, I have sleep in my eyes. I need to go and wash my face. You will look at yourself and you will say, Oh my word, I need to go back to bed. (laughs) I, I must need some rest. You'll look at yourself and you'll learn a lesson and you'll make changes. Okay, this this shirt just highlights the yellow in my teeth. I think I'm going to wear blue today. Okay, I I don't want to wear yellow. I did think about wearing a yellow shirt this morning. And I thought, not a good look for me. Okay. I'm always hoping people will notice the white beard and not the yellow teeth. (laughs) If you look at yourself in the mirror, it's so that you can make changes. That's the idea. It's not supposed to be just a place where you go to admire yourself. That's not what it's for. You're not supposed to be there worshiping yourself. You're supposed to be there seeing what needs to be fixed. Understand? And don't let it completely discourage you. But that's why he's saying, if you listen to the word and then you don't put it into practice, it's like looking in the mirror and then as soon as you turn away, you forget what you look like. Oh, that's right, I did have spinach in my teeth. I should have done something about that. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. 
please notice the phrase, the perfect law that gives freedom. I don't understand. How does law give freedom? You remember the train on the track? Oh, okay. You remember the kite on the string? Oh, okay. If we take seriously what God says about living a life of love, the consequence will be that as we do, through the power of the Holy Spirit, what he commands us to do, we find this is what we were made for. This is why we're here. It's not bondage. It's not trying to keep all the Old Testament laws. It's recognizing the law of love by which he loved us and so we love him. And he says, I want you to love everybody. And so we begin to treat other people with love. If you want to know what that looks like, memorize 1 Corinthians 13. Because guess what? Love is patient. Oh, there's that word again. Yes. Love is patient. Love is kind. As you go through the description of love, it's like I've got some things to work on. Yes, you do. That's If you want to look in the mirror, go to 1 Corinthians 13. See how you're doing. See what needs to be worked on. I don't know that I can do that. Ask the Father to change you. Say, Lord, I want to be like you. I want to be loving. God is love. So ask him to fill you with his spirit and make you loving. I was hoping he would just make me lovable. Well, if you become loving, you'll be a lot more lovable. If anyone considers himself religious and yet doesn't keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. He considers himself to be religious, but he's not being careful with what he says. We're supposed to be slow to speak. That does not mean that we just speak very slowly. It means we say, I didn't need to say that. Have you ever had something come into your head? You might have even thought it was clever. And the Holy Spirit just says, "Uh uh-uh. And it's like, there's a comedian who does a thing about wishing that he had one of those earpieces quarterbacks wear where the coach can send him a message and tell him, no, don't run that play, run this play. He says, I might be married if I had that. But instead, he says, my date will say something and I respond with something and that's the end of the relationship. Okay? He says, so I'm out on a date and and she says something and I say, you knitted a sweater for your cat? That's adorable. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, be slow to speak, okay? Keep a tight rein on your tongue. Be careful what you say. Otherwise, your religion is worthless. 
Now, I don't want worthless religion. What would be pleasing to God? Verse 27, famous, famous, famous. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. It's not either or. Some people are real big on trying to avoid any kind of pollution from the world. We are, we are a holy and sanctified bunch over here, and if you don't do things, everything in fact, the way that we do, then we think you're part of the world. We, we have our way of doing things, and we keep ourselves uh, unstained, and, uh, and, and we all know each other. And I asked, I asked a guy on Man of War Key, the uh, island down in the Bahamas. I said, you know, how many families live here on the island? He said, three. <laughs> what he was saying is they're all related. A little like Where's Valley. And um, so they, that's a whole other story. I won't go into that right now. But, but here's the thing. You and I, are not supposed to be polluted by the world. We're not supposed to follow the world's pattern of sin. But we are supposed to be investing ourselves in caring for people who really need help. And the two groups that are cited here as needing help are widows, no social security system, okay? Somebody's got to take care of them. They can't take care of themselves. As they get old, what are they supposed to do? And orphans. The fatherless in this world are a larger and larger percentage of the population. And some of you know what it is to have a family that's broken all apart. And I'll tell you something. God specifically, especially, cares about you. And he says what he wants his people to do is provide an alternative for you. That's why this ministry exists. It's because God cares about you. That's why God answers prayer for this ministry and blesses in such an astounding way is because what we're doing is what God says do. God wants widows and orphans to be cared for because he loves you. He loves you. He really does. Not just kind of, sort of. He really loves you. Not because you're good, not because you're adorable, but because God is love. And if we're going to worship him, we need to live a life of love. And that means helping people who need it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for loving us when we had no virtue that we could bring to earn it. Thank you for your amazing grace. Help us, we pray, to truly love you because of the way you've loved us.
and grant that we would therefore obey your word and be channels of your love toward others. And we'll be careful to give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.